Warren Buffett, BlackRock, and other institutional players dominate investments in commercial aviation. Why? Because it's one of the most profitable and predictable alternative assets that exists. And it's not tied to other markets such as real estate and the stock market. Is it safe? Well, imagine triple net leases to the likes of American Airlines and British Airways. Income is contractual and guaranteed by some of the biggest named airlines in the world. That's why this kind of investment was never available to the ordinary accredited investor. That is until now. Visit accesswealthaviation.com and check it out for yourself. Invest in an institutional team with over 200 plus years of combined investment experience in the aviation sector. Conservative investing with double digit returns and tax advantages. That's accesswealthaviation.com. Accesswealthaviation.com. You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast coming to you from Montecito, California. And uh, before I begin the show today, I want to remind you that if you head to wealthformula.com, uh, lots of resources there, including your ability to sign up for various lists and things to participate in, such as the Accredited Investor Club, which is where you sign up if you're interested in deal flow, private investing, that kind of thing. Uh, you sign up, you get onboarded, and uh, then you get some exposure to some stuff coming down the pipe. Again, that's at wealthformula.com. Now, as for today's show, as the year, year here is approaching, the end of the year uh, in fourth quarter, many of us are thinking about ways to mitigate our tax liability for this year of 2023. And uh, that's pretty typical around November, December, that kind of thing where you're sort of scrambling around trying to figure out how you can, you know, invest or something and do something to, to save money uh, on taxes. But uh, unfortunately, in this year, there's not a whole lot of options. The IRS uh, has clamped down now for a couple of years pretty significantly on, on a, a lot of things, including syndicated conservation easements, which, uh, you know, a number of people participate in. Uh, no, no reason necessarily to believe there was anything wrong with doing that. But uh, the IRS has clamped down on that. So, my uh, su suggestion to you at this point would be, well, anyone selling them at this point is not really looking out for your welfare. It's not a good idea. That is uh, what I've been hearing from, you know, my own uh, tax advisors. Similarly, captive insurance was a great, uh, it's, it's actually, you know, it's a legal right of every American to have self-insurance, but the IRS has made it a mission to audit them as well. And, all, you know, it's almost as if the IRS has become a branch of government that completely ignores the legislative process uh, completely. I mean, Congress makes the laws. IRS decides, I don't like those, so I'm not going to follow that. And it's, uh, it's frustrating, but that's just the way it is. So what can we rely on at this point? And people have been asking me that. They say oil and gas. I say, uh, uh, you could, but here's the problem with that. I've never made money in oil and gas. And uh, in fact, I would say I would have been better off in many cases just giving the money off to charity because I would have felt better about it. The space is also ripe for charlatans. I don't think I'll ever recommend that again. And at this point, you are pretty much left then with um, investments that will give you some depreciation. Right. If that is, if you have passive income to offset, if you have a business, uh, you can use Section 179 to write off equipment sales. You could finance it and actually take the full write off. I mean, you can do that. You can also do that with bonus depreciation, but you got to be a business owner uh, to do that. In fact, you could use Section 179 right now to buy a car over 6,000 pounds and write the whole thing off. And again, if you finance it, you know, take the deduction the full amount and finance it. So that's kind of a leveraged uh, deduction there as well. Uh, real estate opportunities where we normally see uh, depreciation uh, have been few and far between. We've had one uh, in the past 18 uh, months that that one's going to close this year. We are on a wait list on that. If you are hoping to get in by any chance, uh, if you want any chance of getting into that, go to joffreycapital.com or email me and uh, we can see about getting you on the wait list. 
And you might, who knows, you might get in. Uh, but for the last couple of years, we've also been doing these ATM machines. We even hear some commercials uh, on this show for the WF uh, Velocity ATM Fund. However, uh, ongoing due diligence is, uh, is something that we need to take very seriously. And so we've been unable to to offer that at this point as well. So certainly I want to make sure that uh, anything we offer through our group or whatever is, is, you know, that we're doing all we're supposed to do in terms of due diligence and, and understand too, people have wondered about due diligence. So well, I thought you did due diligence. Well, the honest truth is that every, you know, with certain things, the due diligence never ends, right? You can't just stop. So in a point in time, things look fine and everything is good. You have to constantly be diligent that's something that we take very seriously and our broker dealers taken very seriously. We're trying to do that in institutional standards. So what's left? Well, prepaying things for next year. Again, if you're a business owner, you can do that. I used to prepay advertising for my now defunct cosmetic surgery office. If you're into deferred uh, accounts, uh, IRAs, you know, steps, things like that, maybe you get some relief. You just kick the can down the road. There is one more option, and and it's maybe not as attractive sometimes, but simply to invest your money without worrying about the tax. And sometimes, as much as it pains me to say this, paying the tax may be the right thing to do, right? After all, you you can safely right now invest in a fair amount of stuff. I mean, you go to the bank and you go to Chase or something, you get CDs over 5%. I mean, that's not great, but I mean, it's safe and, and uh, it's better than it just sitting in, in the bank. Or like me... You can focus in on uh, life insurance products. Uh, you know, I talk about wealth formula banking, wealth accelerator quite a bit. You know, there's lots of advantages to these kinds of policies that have been characterized as uh, investing with benefits, where the benefits are often significant, and I have to tell you, underappreciated. And I've tried to point that out on numerous occasions. There is so much to these things, and the more you learn about them, the more interesting they become. And... Um, uh, but don't take it from me. Take it from others who've uh, done the same thing. And there's a, and uh, if you hear a bunch of people, I've never heard anybody unhappy with this kind of strategy, frankly. And that's saying a lot because a lot of people are participating in them. There may be a line of reasoning that resonates with you uh, because, frankly, I think these policies should be part of every portfolio. And in this week's Wealth Formula podcast, you're going to hear why, not only from me, probably less from me, and more from other members of the Wealth Formula community. Because when we come back, Rod Zabriskie of Wealth Formula Banking uh, fame is going to interview me and a few others from the uh, Wealth Formula Nation. What do the Rothschilds, the Romneys, and the billionaire hedge fund managers know that you don't about growing and protecting wealth? As you might imagine, the wealthy have a few tricks up their sleeves. One strategy allows you to grow wealth tax-free at a compounding rate with no volatility. It protects your money from creditors and lawsuits, and it lets you invest the same money in two different places at the same time. How about that for amplifying wealth? To learn more, go to WealthFormulaBanking.com. Again, that's WealthFormulaBanking.com. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Uh, Today, uh, we are going to do something a little bit different on Wealth Formula Podcast. One of the things that um, we talk quite a bit about on the show, which uh, I'm a believer on, are various uh, types of, ultimately, I think what broadly would be characterized as life insurance retirement plans. These are, or LERPs. You may hear financial uh, advisors and stuff calling them LERPs. But what they are is they're effectively life insurance plans that are uh, designed for more than just life insurance. And they're designed to actually create wealth and they're designed to amplify wealth and and accelerate wealth in some periods. You may have heard of some of the things that we talked about on the show, specifically wealth formula banking. We've talked about that and we've talked about the wealth accelerator. And all of this stuff that I have learned has ultimately been through my my friends, uh, Christian Allen and Rod Zabriskie. Now, Rod is actually on the show here, along with a few other folks as well. And here's the format. Today, what Rod's going to do is he is actually going to ask a few of us questions. He's going to ask a few of us questions who are involved with the various products and why we're doing what we're doing and what we're doing with them so that 
rather than it just simply being, um, you know, a didactic type of session, and you can kind of get an understanding of where these products are fitting into different uh, people's lives, including mine. And that's why I'm not doing the investing here. Rod is the one who's put together all everyone here's um, policies. And so he can probably best shape these questions. So Rod, uh, with that, I'm going to hand it over to you. And you are the first honorary uh, I guess, interviewer, interviewer of, uh, what did they, remember these old shows, the Tonight Shows, when they'd have like the guest, uh, the guest in there for Johnny Carson. I remember when I was a little kid, you know, and Jay yeah. Leno started on that and all that. Boy, yeah. am I showing how old I am when I reference Johnny Carson, <laughs> by the way, right? But um, but anyway, yeah, this, so you can be the Jay Leno taking over for Johnny here. Go ahead. All right. Okay, that sounds like a deal. <laughs> Thanks so much for doing yeah. this. And uh, so maybe first what I'll do is inter- introduce the guests that we have invited to join us, uh, maybe do a quick bio on them, and then we'll jump into the questions. So first of all, we have Dr. Dave Ferguson. Dave is a dentist and orthodontist in San Antonio, Texas. He is owner and partner in a large dental practice that spans five states and about a dozen locations. So thank you, Dave, for joining us. Uh, secondly, we have Danny O'Connor, who is a CPA and an audit partner of Alternative Investments with Richie Main Company. He is he specializes in a wide variety of different, different asset types, including hedge funds, real estate, private equity, et cetera. He's in Benton, near Bentonville, Arkansas. And then finally, we have Daniel Saw. He is a dentist and owns a very successful practice in Wichita, Kansas. And this wasn't intentional, but we got you guys all grouped in from the Midwest. I'm not sure how that happened, but but here but here we are. Hey, so, I'm not from the Midwest, and I'm 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 you know I'm still over here in California, formerly Upper Midwest. Uh, yeah, that's true, Minnesota guy <laughs> for sure. Okay, so uh, what we're gonna do is we're gonna divide the show into kind of two categories. I didn't want to kind of confuse things too much. So what I want to do is first focus on wealth formula banking, kind of talk through, you know, our different guests uh, experiences working with wealth formula banking. And then we'll switch over to uh, wealth accelerator, premium finance, kind of that category for the second half. So before we jump into the questions for anyone who is maybe not familiar with wealth formula banking, I just want to give a really quick description of what it is and you know, why people use it. Uh, Really, in a nutshell, what Wealth Formula Banking does is it creates a, I call it the opportunity fund, the place where you're building up your uh, your cash that you're going to use to go out and invest. Why a lot of people refer to that as their dry powder, right? And in most cases, people do that in a, a bank account, money market account, uh, because they want the safety and liquidity. Um, challenge is it just doesn't do much for you while it's there. And when you take it and invest it, it's just working for you in one place. In this case, what we're doing is we're replacing the savings account with a specially designed life insurance policy where we can get a 5% tax-free consistent return inside of the account. And then instead of taking the money out of the account when I'm going to go invest, I'm actually taking a loan against it. So I take the loan, I use that money to go and invest. That means my money stayed there and continues to grow, earning that 5%, while simultaneously I'm building value somewhere else. I'm creating value in multiple places at the same time. So that's kind of the, a, a rough, uh, high-level view of what wealth formula banking is. So, with so, that said, so just just to clarify a couple of things there, I yeah. think some of the things that are helpful to know about that is one is the money's growing at a um, compounding rate, right? But your yep. your loan is at a simple rate, and that makes a huge right. difference. Absolutely. And yep. and and the idea there fundamentally being that really you're being able to, you know, continue to invest the same dollar in two places at the same time. So you, you've shown a number of examples, mm-hmm. for example, on wealthformulabanking.com where the same investment just passing through one of those policies nets you a significantly higher profit. Yeah. A quick example of that is a lot of people are familiar with Buck's ATM deal. So we ran some numbers specifically on that. We said pro forma says you'll earn about 16 and a half percent on uh, just investing and creating that cash flow over the next seven years. And when we then overlay it with the wealth from the banking strategy, it turns that 16 and a half into 20.8. So simply by the way that you roll those funds and creating those benefits we talked about, you can improve the return that you're getting on, on investments. That's just one example, right? But, but right. a pretty simple example. Okay, perfect. All right. So now, 
let's jump into our questions. And uh, what I'd first like to do is hear from from all of our our guests. Uh, and, and I'd like you to answer the question about, well, like when you were first looking at wealth formative banking, what was it that compelled you to jump in and do it? And, and, and maybe secondarily, what kind of investments have you used your wealth formative banking strategy for? Dave, do you mind jumping in and leading out on that? Yeah. I mean, you've kind of, first of all, grateful to be here. Uh, always enjoyed listening to the, to the show. Buck, I feel like I've learned a ton. Uh, Rod, you know, uh, you've taught me everything I'm about to say is re- really just regurgitated from what Rod has been teaching me over the years. So they okay, better uh, be good then. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, I like the reference to Jay Leno because my chin, you know, often people say I, I look like Jay Leno, so I can appreciate that too. And the cars, um, right? You got a bunch of cars. Um, yeah, I wish. I wish, right? Um, so, you know, you, you've alluded to some. One, I could leave my money in a bank account and earn pretty much nothing, uh, or I could use the, the life insurance policy because I, I've been able to, you know, I think it's two days, three days. I mean, it's a couple days to get the money, so I guess it's not like immediately later liquid um, to bribe somebody. But if, if it's a known investment that I'm going to make, it's very liquid. So one, you're making, you know, five, five and a half percent, you know, while the money's just sitting there Two, um, you know, protection from creditors. So, you know, if that money's in a, in a bank account, Silicon Valley, you know, goes belly up, uh, you know, you're protected up to 250,000. So if you've got more than that, putting it into a life insurance policy, still, it could go bankrupt. But the fact that they've all been around, you know, these highly rated ones have been around for hundreds of years. And it's protected from creditors, which sitting in a bank account, you know, if there's some lawsuit, that's not protected from creditors. Uh, the ability to earn money in two places at the same time was big, simple interest versus compound. It comes with a death benefit. You know, if I got a bunch of cash sitting in a bank account, there's no death benefit on it, but there's a death benefit in, in these policies. Um, the guaranteed ability to access a loan at a relatively low interest rate is great. Um, it's conservative interest, uh, but over the long haul, you know, it's very stable. They've been paying out every year since like the Civil War is sometimes what I hear, which is always impressive. Uh, and then a big one is is the tax-free growth and then ability to take those loans at the end of, you know, say I retire, I can take loans against it and, and you're not paying taxes on loans. So then the only thing I got to do to avoid those taxes is die. And I do plan on doing that. So, <laughs> you know, as long as I, as long as I can take those tax-free loans, uh, and then someday I die and, and my kids get a little bit less, you know, Just they a little bit. Pay that close. yeah, a little bit less. So, um, uh, that, that may be a lot, you know, maybe we can go through some of those, but that's, those are all the things I wrote down. Um, sweet. Okay. That's perfect. And then, um, what kind of investments have you been using it for? You know, I think anybody that listens to the show, you know, apartment syndications, you know, multifamily syndications has been a big piece. So if I've ever wanted to invest in some of the deals that come across, you know, I'll take money out of my whole life, uh, well, formula banking policy, and then put it in a syndication. I've also bought my own real estate, you know, uh, here in San Antonio, I've used it for that. Um, I've invested in businesses. Uh, so buying equity in businesses as well. So uh, I think those are probably the three biggest things. Very cool. Thank you so much, Dave. Okay. Daniel, tell us a little bit about uh, what, what compelled you and then what kind of things have you been investing in using your policy? Um, very similar to Dave, um, you know, earning dividend, um, protection from creditors. I can borrow against the policy. There's a debt benefit, tax-free distribution. Um, as far as investments, you know, I, I I try to try to imitate Buck wherever I can. So um, <laughs> I've I am you know still doing. I'm doing ATM investments. I'm doing real estate syndication. Um, I did oil and gas. Um, I did de- land development syndication and um, my favorite um, cryptocurrency. All right. Thanks. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Now I, what I think is interesting about that is uh, a lot of people will think that wealth formula banking can only be useful in like true cash flowing assets, which is true on the ATM deal. And, and a lot of syndications are you know truly kicking off, but crypto, maybe mm-hmm. not so much, right. Depending on your investment strategy, 
those might be more of like a buy and hold kind of thing. Uh, and, and what I see is people like yourself, uh, by, by using those in combination, you know, Buck pointed out, out earlier, Dave pointed out that the difference between paying simple interest on your loan versus earning compounding interest. Well, that implies that you're making some, some payment toward it to keep it simple. Right. And, and so, uh, in, in your case, like those ATM payments are going to be a lot more than just covering the interest. So using it for crypto, using it for other things, I've even used it for precious metals, right? Because no, I did. The flow I mean, is coming in. Yeah. yeah. Danny, what do you think? Yeah. You know, Rod, uh, the strategy was sort of unique to what I'd heard because, you know, going, I grew up sort of four and you had dead and all that. So I did the Dave Ramsey and the Susie Orman and all them. And they always talk about insurance sort of negative compared to the way, you know, the, the formula policy there's working. And uh, so I was really intrigued with the, being able to grow money in sort of two spots and be able to loan against it and also have the life insurance parts of it. Um, as far as investments that have gone through it, uh, typically now I use it, I'll, I'll get into syndications, you know, put the money in there sort of as an emergency fund and savings. And then I'll pull it out as an investment comes around that I'm interested in syndications. Another big part I use it for is a lot of times a year in because in, in my current uh, company that I own, we're all W-2. So I'll use it to pull out money for tax investments, maybe conservation easements or some historical credits, uh, things along those lines. And then once I get the tax refund, then I, you know, will put the money back in. Got it. Yeah. That's super helpful. All right, Buck, this maybe goes back a little further for you than, than maybe some of us. Yeah. But, uh, well, you know, that. you know, I've evolved on this issue. I mean, the first thing that I ever, uh, the reason I got interested in this is I kept hearing about, I'd hear commercials about people saying, oh, well, bank on yourself and all that. I'm like, what does that even mean? I have no idea what you're talking about. And then I think ultimately, you know, you guys kind of explained to me what it was all about. And what I think the biggest thing for me was the idea that, okay, I could just take money, invest in something, get a return. But all I really needed to do is to throw it through this little machinery before it went into an investment, if I just did that, that amplified my returns. And that to me just seemed like, well, why wouldn't I do that? Mm-hmm. And as Dave pointed out, it also comes with these other benefits of death benefit and um, the creditor issues. One other thing that I'll point out is that from a liquidity standpoint, you know, uh, as a, as a business guy, you know, I've had business businesses even longer than I've been doing the show, but Anytime you really need money, uh, and, and that's exactly when the bank won't let you have a loan, yeah. right? Um, so if you look at like a home equity line of credit is a great example. If you go back to, you know, 2009, 2010, when people were really needing uh, money, well, guess what? You just, you can't have it <laughs> because you need it. You can't have it when you need it. Uh, that's that issue is eliminated because in the, the 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 true banking models that we're talking about with these insurance companies that really is your money it's not money that's just they're holding for you and maybe they'll give it to you if they want to so yeah yeah that's a great point yeah. okay now that we've kind of laid the groundwork on wealth formula banking dave i'd like to ask you really quickly because we have a lot of people who consider wealth formula banking until they get to like thinking it through, like, well, how am I really going to do this? What does the flow really look like? So if you wouldn't mind, do you mind giving us an example of something that you've used Wealth Formula Banking for? And what I want you to do is talk us through the process, like maybe starting on the, on the side with the actual investment. And then as you've, you accessed the funds and you invested them and then you were flowing, flowing them back, you know, just one example of, of kind of the, the real, you know, brass tacks of how you did it. Yeah. Um, so I think Buck kind of alluded to it. And and the thing is, is it probably took me listening to the show and listening to, to Rod and Christian maybe five times before it actually started to make sense. And I think actually over the years, it makes more and more sense, but it right. wasn't something that was super intuitive. They talked about it like it was super intuitive and I felt a little naive, you know, yeah. but, and, and so I hope, I hope I don't, you know, do that. And, and if it's, if you're struggling at all, you know, I think if you go back and listen on half speed, you normally we listen on double speed, but if you live on half speed, you might get it, but you know, let's, let's just make it simple. You know, I'm going to buy a house 
and I expect that house to return money to me, right? Let's just say I pay cash to make the example easy. If I'm going to pay cash for the house, let's make it a hundred thousand dollars. It's a cheap house. This was pre 2008. So, you know, you're going to spend a hundred thousand on it. If I had a hundred thousand in the bank account, I would just take that money out. I'd take a hundred thousand out and I would go buy a house and I would slowly build up. Let's say the rent was a thousand dollars a month. It's going to take me 100 months to get back my, my principal. And I'm only earning incremental interest on that money as it comes back in. So once the thousand dollars is in, I'm making incremental interest on it as it comes back in. And there's no difference in my mind. It's kind of like what Buck said. I looked at it just from like, what's the the lowest understanding that I need. And, th- and it was, okay, if I have a hundred thousand and I'm going to go buy a house, if I put the hundred thousand into the wealth formula banking account, it's going to earn 5% interest forever compounding. It's going to be protected from creditors and it's going to have a death benefit. That's just kind of free benefits on the side, but don't even worry about those for a second. Just put the hundred thousand dollars in the wealth formula banking account. Then you're going to take a loan for a hundred thousand dollars. And now you're going to go buy the house and now you're going to get a thousand dollars and you're going to put it back towards that loan. Right. And so what's happening is you're, you're just taking advantage of that compound interest. Cause that hundred thousand that I put in, it's always earning 5%. Right. And it never stopped earning the 5%. And then I picked up a house in the meantime, and now I'm just paying back the loan, you know, amount, and, and reducing that interest. But, but that's, again, I don't want to get lost in the weeds. Really. It's just, instead of going to buy the house first, I put the money in the policy, then I go buy the house and then I pay it all back because you're still going to have to pay the loan back. If you, if you, if you go take a hundred thousand out of the bank account, you still got to get a hundred thousand back into the bank account, but you're not earning any interest on that while it's gone. Whereas with wealth formula baking, you put the hundred thousand in that policy and you're always earning 5%, even though you took a loan against it. And then you still got to pay the hundred thousand back. Unless you die. But then you got to pay it. But, 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 but the death benefit takes care of it at that point. Takes care of it. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for, uh, for walking us through that, Dave. We've had a lot of people who are clients that we're working with. They've been using wealth formula banking and they get to a place where they say, this is even better than I thought. And what happens is we're we're trying to keep the message simple, kind of to Dave's point. We don't want to confuse people. We don't want to uh, spend too much time talking about things that aren't really focused on the primary purpose. But the point is that there are a lot of ancillary benefits that can come from this. Um, and so we'll, we'll have clients where they say, well, this is even better than I thought because they they brought, they came in for the investment component and then they find these other kind of benefits and, and whatnot. So are there, and I'll just open this to the, to, to anyone who wants to jump in, are there features and benefits that you didn't anticipate at first that came in later that you just really have appreciated? I think for me, um, you know, it's kind of an interesting, and I don't know if this was really predictable. Uh, I haven't been doing it long enough to really know, you know, multiple cycles, but what has happened, you know, I, I think I've had my wealth formula banking policy for seven years or so. The first one I've done a couple, but the first one was maybe seven years ago. And at the time I was paying about 5% interest. If I wanted to take a loan against it, it was about 5%. And when, but I, but there were places like, you know, home mortgages and other things that you could get even cheaper money, you know, the, the, them were the days, right? They don't seem that long ago, but they seem so long ago. And and there were some that were like 3%, three and a half, four percent 4%. And so it never really made sense. I was like, yeah, I'll put it in there, you know, and I would still take it because it was, it was cash, liquid cash that I could go make investments. And, and the way I thought of it is as long as I'm earn, earning more than 5%, then it makes sense to take it out and go invest it in that second place. But you could, there were still other places you could get cheaper capital. And what has happened, you know, in the last <laughs> year and a half yeah. is now all of a sudden you got prime at eight and a half. You got, and you're trying to take loans at prime plus one, nine and a half. And I think, oh, well, I, my, my policy did go up a little, so it can fluctuate. But I think right now it's at like 5.7. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's at 5.7. So it's like, Right now, my policy is the cheapest loan I can get anywhere, you know, even including 30 year fixed. I mean, these these are, uh, you know, even 15 arm, you know, it doesn't matter. Like this is the cheapest money I can borrow right now. So I didn't see that coming. 
Yeah, right. Some of the benefits that I've come to appreciate from it was when I got into it, I really thought of it almost as like a savings account. And then the more I looked at it, I was like, well, this is sort of like a legacy building with the life benefit side of it for, for the kids. Um, when my wife and we got married, one of the big things, you know, we went through all the things that caused divorce. And one of the big things for a woman is security, right? And so having the sort of security, having that, you know, policy there with the money you can borrow at any time. Um, the features that I really appreciate a lot more than I expected was the ease of being able to take loans against the policy. Um, you know, your group is always great. I've told you multiple times dealing with you and Brittany is amazing. I'll just call you guys up within a couple of days, you know, maybe a week at the max, depending on the timing, have the money there to be able to fund investments, um, compared to some of the other strategies we've had to do in the past. So I think those are the main benefits. I really appreciate that I wasn't quite expecting to that level. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for that. Any other thoughts on, uh, on kind of this ancillary things that we don't often talk about, but, but can, can really be valuable. I think, you know, one, <clears throat> one thing just to keep in mind is, you know, uh, in terms of investing, if you do, you have different parts of, um, your portfolio and this is a truly a very, um, something very reliable, right? Like, I mean, it is, it's there, it's solid. And as Dave mentioned, these companies are been around since before the civil war, they've been paying dividends out even through the worst times in our economic history. So I think having that sort of peace of mind in part of your portfolio is certainly of value and it, it's not something to underestimate. I mean, if you look back at those people who came out of um, the great depression, uh, I mean, those, those people like uh, were very, very adamant about, you know, buying life insurance. And it was because they, a lot of them lost everything else that they had. And, um, you know, not to, not to make it, you know, sound like that's kind of where we're at right now, but it's nice to have that, you know, so. Yeah. Kind of peace of mind. Awesome. Okay. All right. Thank you all for that. Now we're going to switch gears a little bit. I mentioned we would switch over to what we call that. The general category for this is premium finance. We've actually introduced a couple of different versions of this over time. We have what we call Velocity Plus. Mm -hmm. um, we're recently introduced what we call the Wealth Accelerator. And essentially what we're doing with these, this strategy is we're putting money into life insurance policies, but the majority of the money going into the policies is coming through loans from the bank. So in other words, we're building toward these future benefits. In this case, it can be a combination of uh, future tax-free income and or future estate planning with with the death benefit. And the good news is you don't have to decide today exactly what that's going to look like because when you get to you know retirement age, you can decide, hey, am I going to take income? If you do great, you start taking it. But to the extent that you don't take the income, that just means there's more of this tax-free death benefit that's going to pay out pay out toward your heirs, your your estate taxes, what, whatever it might be when, when your estate passes. And again, the, the whole idea is we're using bank loans. We're using loans. Let's just say that, uh, to, for the majority of the money going into the policies so that we can create a much higher benefit down the road than we could create if it was only your dollars going in. Same reason you use leverage <clears> when you're <throat> buying real estate or, or investing in your business or something like that. Right. You want more benefit that you can get if you were only using your dollars. So that's what we're doing here with this this kind of category we call premium finance. So and and just draw just to nuts and bolts wise, basically what this is is on a yearly basis. Um, most of these are based on um, the uh, sort of a cap and a floor uh, with the uh, with the S and P five hundred, right? Or you could do it in other yeah. ways, but but typically with the S and P five hundred, meaning like you. You know, if you have uh, the S&P has, a, a, you know, a good year, it's up like 12%, maybe you might be able to take, what, eight or nine or something like that of that. But then your your floor might be that even if the S&P loses 20%, you're not allowed to take, you're not allowed to lose any money. You might even still make 1% that year, that yeah. kind of model. And yeah. it's... Uh, kind of confusing because it's an options play basically. But to me, the the reason I, I kind of like that, I'm not generally a stock market guy, but if you put a cap and a floor, it's almost like, you know, you put side rails on it for me. 
Mm-hmm. And then uh, the cap itself, because you're leveraging that, it turns into like a cap rate, right? Like, so if you're, um, so if you've got like a, a 7% gain in the market, it because you're leveraging it, your gain is actually potentially significantly more than that. And right. so, so that's what I like about it. Um, but, but I, I think just for a description wise, that is sort of the nuts and bolts of how that money is growing. But then you're layering on loan after loan after loan without any collateralized debt, which is the other piece here. Right. Yep, Absolutely. And that's, that's a great point. Cause we do, uh, depending on the, the variation of the strategy, in some cases we're using all what you described is called index universal life, all IUL. Uh, and in some cases we're using some combination of that with whole life, which is more predictable and, and consistent, like we've talked about with wealth formula banking. Um, but the idea is that we have this consistent, predictable growth. And then, like you said, instead of having, instead of ending up in the, at the end of the day with a five, five and a half percent tax-free return with the leverage, I'm turning that into a 13, 14% tax-free return, which taxably equivalent might be something like, you know, 20 plus percent. Right. Right. So it's, and it's more hands-off, like with, with the kinds of things that, that everyone's doing and investing in their real estate deals and running their businesses and whatnot, that's very hands-on, right? You have to be continually making decisions and moving money and doing different things. In this case, we're, we're putting a, a most a, a process in motion and letting it do those things for us, but still using all the things we like leverage, et cetera. So, um, so that's kind of the a crux of it. And again, in all of these things, I, if you have any more questions on wealth from the banking, if you have any more questions on, on this wealth accelerator, go to wealthformulabanking.com where we have some webinars pre-recorded that you can get there to, to learn a little bit more about it. This one, by the way, Rod, I, I don't know if you have that example at your tips, but I think this one is particularly um, uh, useful for, <clears throat> there's an entire generation of physicians and, uh, you know, healthcare professionals across the board, you know, that, have spent a lot of money um, going to school, have spent a lot of money buying their house buy, and making their life and, you know, trying to make up for lost time, who all of a sudden are their mid-40s, who've got very little planned for retirement in any sort of way. And one of the more compelling things that I saw was the example that you had of somebody who would be in that potential situation. And just as an illustration, it might be helpful for you to to explain that because, because that catch up situation is, I mean, it's an epidemic. I mean, this is a real problem across the board and it's going to be a bigger problem uh, in in the future, in my opinion. Yeah. So that particular example, what we were doing is we were saying, Hey, here's someone who is in in the situation Buck mentioned mid forties, their intent is to set aside a hundred thousand dollars a year for the next 10 years uh, in the more traditional sense. Hey, I'm going to put it in a, profit sharing plan, 401k, whatever, like in, in the kind of more traditional side of things. But instead they're comparing that to using the wealth accelerator to do the same thing, hundred thousand a year that are going to set aside for the next 10 years. In this case, obviously we are doing more with, with it because of the, because of the leverage, right? So when we play that out and we compare, you know, person a who just did their own hundred thousand, set it aside, uh, put it in the IUL in, in, in the comparison example, they ended up creating income in retirement, a little over a hundred thousand a year from age 60 to 90. And uh, in the end created about $3.4 million of total benefit off of that million <clears throat> they put in. Okay. And the IRR breakdown on that is about 5.4% IRR. Okay. Again, tax-free. So taxably equivalent might be eight or nine. Mm-hmm. Or by, by using the Wealth Accelerator strategy, 100000 a year going in for 10 years, leveraging that to build much better benefits, they actually ended up, in that example, getting a total of $51 million of benefit. And what was it? Million. It was $8 million before? Uh, it was three point four. Oh, sorry, three, $3 million. Yeah. In, and, yeah. Then, and then $51 million. 51, $27 million that came out as income right. between age 60 and 90 right. and an additional $24 million of death benefit that paid out. And the IRR on that's 13%. Like I'll, I'll get people who say, well, man, Rod, that just sounds crazy. Like way too good to be true. But we all sitting here know that there are opportunities out there to create IRRs 
in the teens and above. Well, and, and the big difference here is there, it's compound, you know, the compounding That's interest it. here. And the other thing is that you're, you're talking about doing this again with guardrails. So you're, yep. you're not having years where you're like losing 50% because if the market yep. falls 50%, chances are the next year it rebounds by 50% and or yeah. 30%. And you're only taking the upside of that. You didn't participate in the downside. So that that's that's what that's what I think is kind of interesting sure. about this. Yeah, the volatility kind of works in our in our favor. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Perfect. So with that as our kind of backdrop. All right. So Danny, um, you've participated in both the Velocity Plus strategy, and then more recently the Wealth Accelerator plan. Right. So, in in the shift from from one to the other, why did you? shift your focus from Velocity Plus to the Wealth Accelerator. What what benefits are you able to capture with the Wealth Accelerator that may be a little bit different? Yeah, I think for me, some of it was a timing. You know, when I first did Velocity Plus, we didn't have the Wealth Accelerator out. Mm-hmm. It hadn't been, you know, really rolled out yet through the group, you know, the Bucks group and you guys. And so for me, it was, my income had also changed a lot in that period of time. So being able to do a one sum bigger lump sum payment one time compared to going over a five or seven year period was nice. Um, I liked it really from a retirement planning is the way I sort of use it. I started looking at it uh, for me where I'm at. I, I want to retire by 50. And so my buyout from the firm will go out for eight years. So then my investments have to cover a period of time. So I started building up those policies. So at 65, if say for whatever reason, my investments don't do well and I get there, my income level from now really won't change tremendously because of the amount of policy we've done within that. Um, and, and I just thought the strategy was really unique and uh, a little more secure. I'd rather do the policy like that than pumping in money on a 401k or anything, you know, along those lines. Yeah, perfect. So maybe just to to recap and, and tell me if I'm off. It sounds like between Velocity Plus and, and Wealth Accelerator, because we still have people for whom Velocity Plus is is a fit, right? Uh, depending on how much they can start with. So for example, $100,000 minimum, not everybody can do that with the Wealth Accelerator and the Velocity Plus, you can get in smaller. But it sounds like it was uh, maybe like the flexibility of being able to say, hey, I'm going to put in a, a one-time chunk. And so if I never do anything more after that, that's okay. Whereas with Velocity Plus, it's a schedule of of five payments. Like you're you're kind of pre-programmed to, to do that. Is that fair? Yeah, that's definitely fair. I also like um, with the Wealth Accelerator, when I even look at some of the Velocity Plus that's doing Wealth Accelerator for every, I think like the last policy we did, right? For every two years, I was doing Velocity Plus, Wealth Accelerator, I did once, but the death benefits were much larger. And the income wasn't maybe as consistent as a Velocity Plus, you know, when we did it, it was pretty consistent, but it ramped really well. So from a legacy standpoint and just doing some projections, it seemed like it also is beneficial for, for what I was trying to accomplish. Awesome. Yeah. And, and maybe I can clarify for everybody with Velocity Plus, we uh, were funding that policy over 10 years. And and again, the majority of the money going in is coming through loans as opposed to, to what, in this case, what Danny put in. With the Wealth Accelerator, we don't stop at 10 years. The, the, the strategy, the arbitrage that we're creating, uh, we want to keep continue funding that policy. And so in this example, when he talked about the income ramping up over time, the biggest reason that it does that is because we're continuing to use the leverage to to keep building that income moving forward. And uh, whereas on the Lasty Plus, because it's a 10-year time frame, then it's more of, of a level income, at least the way that we that we show it is more of a level income. So So that's kind of maybe a little explanation on why it, it works out the way that he's talking about. So Daniel, you had initially looked at some Velocity Plus, which again is a version of this kind of premium finance conversation, um, but you decided to go with Wealth Formula Banking. Recently, however, in our conversations, you've decided <laughs> to convert into the Wealth Accelerator strategy. So how did your goals shift that led to that decision and what is it you're you're wanting to do with the money that you have in the wealth formula banking policies that's maybe a little different moving forward? Yeah, sure. Um, I think first of all, I I think over the years I began to understand um, velocity plus or what you call um, putting options where 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 uh, 
boxes, there's no downside. I mean, you know, the most you can lose is zero, and then you capture the upside. So I began to thought, you know what? That actually totally makes sense. And then when I talked to you about um, the wealth accelerator, now the contribution structure changed. Instead of having <laughs> to come up with a lump sum, like the Velocity Plus product, this is similar. The wealth accelerator is like the wealth formula banking where I have a year. So again, as I incrementally have money coming in, I can contribute towards it. So time-wise, that becomes a more realistic goal for, for, for me to achieve. Um, and then, and I think also mindset, I'm thinking, hey, I got 40 years career um, in front of me. Um, and then now I'm at the halfway. So now I'm beginning to look at things a little different. And now I'm thinking, okay, maybe I ought to start thinking about creating a steady retirement income instead of um, working income. So I think the, the perspective um, began to change for me as well. And again, I'm, I'm avert, I'm, you know, I'm, I have risk aversion. So I'm trying to stay with something conservative and you know, I, I go into oil and gas and, and I ask the guy, hey, how come the, the return looks different than, than your projection? He's like, well, the government released the oil reserve, so the, the oil price is being steady. Or, hey, what happened to real estate? Well, the, the, the interest rate and things like that. So there's a lot of things that is outside of my hands and the syndicator's hands. And, you know, so I'm beginning to look for something that will create a, a steady uh, retirement income. And so this wealth accelerator product was, was, was really good. Um, uh, because when, when uh, Rob put together for me, the two different illustrations, my question to him was, Hey, give me, give me two illustrations. Um, you know, the breakdown of my, my uh, insurance policy investments. One is if I were to stay with the current wealth formula banking I have, what would it look like? You know, at what point can I get, let's say, a million dollars of income a year? And then he run his situation and say, uh, and I forgot what the number was, 85 or something. I'm like, Oh, that really isn't that is not my projected retirement age. And then he ran he ran another illustration with the wealth accelerator. And it was like 15 years earlier. It was like 60 something. I'm like, oh my goodness. It, it's a no-brainer because we're talking about making the same contribution as before, but it's a vastly different you know, outcome. Um so I was I was I was excited. Um, and again, these Investments and after a few years doing different investments, I get a little, get a little bit tired of it. For example, if you do the ATM investments, you know I'm I'm having to file tax return for seven or eight states at this point, and then I keep on going. I've been filing states for all fifty states, and it's it's like it's a hassle. It's just, man, I'm like I'm not looking forward to do that when I'm you know in my seventies. It's just, I gotta find a way to get out of you know keep on reinvesting to these things that takes time. And as I get older, I don't care to, 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 you know, keep up with the CPA requesting for, for different K-1s. And my wife definitely is not into tax filing. And we want to be hands-off, I think. I think that's a good word. It's just a hands-off way of generating income. That's not going to create a lot of stress um, as, 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 as we get older. Perfect. And, and maybe to clarify what we, and what we're doing uh, in this transition is still, like inside of the wealth from the banking plan, Daniel had plans for future contributions. What we were, what we're doing is we're just reallocating that so that those contributions go into the wealth accelerator pot, continue to build that. Uh, especially because with wealth from the banking, it was all whole life with, with the additional funds. We're going to be augmenting that with some IUL so he can have the kind of predictability and security still on the whole life side, but still have this now more upside potential of the IUL. So it's going to take care of all those things. The benefit of of both, both, yeah, both both approaches. Absolutely. Perfect. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for walking through that, Daniel. Okay, Dave, uh, let's switch over to you because in your case, you, you started inside of this category, premium finance, you started with what we call a traditional premium finance policy earlier 
uh, Buck mentioned that one of the huge benefits of the Wealth Accelerator, and this is true of, of Velocity Plus, is that you don't have to come up with outside collateral to collateralize the loan as you're using it because the the asset that you're creating inside of life insurance is always more than enough to cover the the collateral for the need. But in this traditional, like when we set this up for you, you started at a place where you had to come up with some collateral outside, et cetera. Um, but then over, over the last year, there were some different conversations that were happening that all kind of came together to, to convert it more into the wealth accelerator. So um, first of all, maybe tell us what you liked about the wealth and accelerator structure compared with what you had. And then secondly, um, what the, the reasons why it works so much better for you than the original structure we had. Yeah, I think you guys have kind of nailed it. You know, I'd probably be redundant, but the flexibility uh, with the timing of the capital and where the collateral comes from, I think you've done a good job of explaining it. You know, my specific situation was um, some of my collateral was on my initial wealth formula banking product, which is just a traditional whole life policy that had a cash balance in there. And so they used that cash balance as collateral. So then what, what complicated it was when I wanted to borrow against it, even though they only had a lien, essentially they had a lien for collateral for maybe half of my cash balance. Every time I wanted to borrow $10, it was like, I had to go ask dad, like, Hey dad, can I borrow $10? And there, and there was a little bit more, you know, paperwork and administration. Luckily, you know, your group Rod took care of all of that really, you know, but it did take longer. So what used to, yeah, yeah, a little delay. So what (laughs) used to take a couple days now took maybe a week and a couple days. And, and they had to make sure that I wasn't borrowing more than what there was a collateral on that cash balance for. So what ultimately happened was, is we borrowed and that was outside bank loan that, that had the lien. So what we did was then we just borrowed from my policy and we paid off the outside collateral loan. And then it was just an internal, uh, there was no need for collateral. So whatever was in my account, I could go get, I didn't have to ask anybody, you know, for permission to, to go borrow against it. So I don't, I don't, that might be kind of complicated. It was even complicated for me. Um, and it was my policy, but that's uh, what I did. <laughs> yeah. And ultimately it, it was just those conversations. Cause you're like, man, Rod, I, I get it. Like, well, this is why we set it up, but can, can we make it any better? Like, can we do something different here? And so that was one of them. But then the catalyst also was interest rates, right? Why don't you talk to yeah, us about uh, yeah. the difference in interest rates? Yeah. And that's what I was kind of alluding to earlier. When I first did this policy, rates were really low. So I went to an outside bank and I got a loan for at 3.25%. And I was like, Hey, this is sweet. Um, and then what happened was, is that it's a, it can, it's a variable rate. So when rates shot up, now this loan that I had borrowed to pay for my policy premiums, adjusted up and now I was paying seven and a half percent. Now the way these things work is over the long haul, the projection is, is, Hey, you're still going to recover from that. Even at a higher interest rate, it is going to slow things down temporarily. And I just didn't have the stomach to keep paying seven and a half percent when I had access to my own loan that I could pay five and a half. And so really I just refinanced that other bank loan out with my policy. And so now I'm paying five and a half instead of seven and a half and I don't have to ask for permission. So in in both ways, it really worked out. Perfect. Okay. And then uh, Buck. Yes. You, again, you mentioned this earlier with your, what's from the banking policy that you're, we've converted that over and now you're doing that. And anything more you wanted to say as far as that goes? There's different reasons for doing the different types of policies that we're talking about here. There's a couple of reasons I wanted to to shift this over. One is that, and I think a lot of real estate investors are often in this predicament, very not liquid very often, right? And liquidity is, it's a nice thing to feel like you've got once in a while. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, so uh, as I'm not generally, I don't have a lot of exposure to the market. Right. I don't I just just don't. But it doesn't mean that 
maybe I shouldn't have some exposure, but just being able to do it in the manner that I discussed earlier with guardrails and with leverage made a lot of sense, right? Um, for me personally, it also decreased the level of complexity. My stuff gets getting too complex. And just being able to say, okay, here's a certain part of the portfolio, set it and forget it. You know, you don't have to worry about that stuff anymore. And it's growing at a good clip. The other thing is, um, I, I, I want to point out that I think um, from a lessons learned standpoint, <clears throat> I went back and got, you know, I got millions and millions and millions of dollars of uh, convertible uh, life insurance. And Rod, do you want to explain that? Basically what that sure. is, is it's term. You pay a little bit more term. You lock it in at the health that you're in at that time with the option basically to convert it into, uh, you know, use it for any of these vehicles later on. Yep. I thought I got a lot. I wish I had more right now. And, and that is, uh, it, that's the truth. So as getting as much of that as possible would be a good idea. One of the things that I've just been recently looking at and actually brought to my attention from, you know, even from within the group is uh, some of these more interesting potential uh, tax plays that are involved that utilize offsetting, um, uh, basically using uh, charitable gifts uh, charitable LLCs, for example, um, where you can potentially make big donations into these charitable LLCs uh, and then, you know, at some point swap those, uh, that, those donations with collateralized death benefit uh, from a policy. In effect, what you're doing is you're, you're, you're kind of taking money out now tax-free with the promise that it's going to be paid at your death with a death benefit. I mean, and that is extremely powerful. Um, yeah. I'm still doing a fair amount of due diligence on this, so I'm not by any way telling anybody to do it. Um, and by the way, you know, Rod has, has been involved with this on my side uh, as we've been looking into it. So if somebody wants to know what I'm talking about, reach out to Rod um, but it is, um, you know, there's so many things that you can do. Uh, and having this sort of this dry powder of lots of convertible term that you're paying very little for. And yeah. hey, maybe it, it makes your, you know, maybe if you die, it, you got lucky and you ended up leaving your family a lot of money, even though everything else got screwed up. That's kind of the downside that I see because the convertible is pretty darn cheap for how much I'm getting. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so that, that's another thing I would just, I, I think if, if I had it over again, I probably would have gotten even more at the time. It seemed obscene how much mm -hmm. I was getting, but now I'm like, I wish I got more. Yeah. So, and we have a lot of people who are doing that. So the example I gave earlier about the person who's <clears> doing a hundred thousand a year for 10 years, well, that's 10, that's, that's new policies every year that they're setting up. And so we have them setting up this convertible term on the front end. They've already qualified for all of that insurance, so they don't have to go through underwriting each year as they're as they're I call it stacking, stacking new policies to build out yep. this plan. Uh, they just we just convert a piece over, convert a piece over. So little by little, we're chipping away at that convertible term. But you've already qualified for it all. You've already you don't have to worry about what's happening for you health wise. You could have catastrophic health things happening, and they can't take away that term, and they can't take away your opportunity to convert it into these permanent products. So yeah, great one. Okay. All right. So now uh, we're, we're kind of wrapping up, but what I'd like to do last is uh, ask a question that's not related specifically to the strategies anymore, but for listeners who are wanting to, or kind of working toward getting to a place where you guys are, maybe they're just beginning their journey or they're early on. Um, do you have any advice that you would give based on your experience, just investing in general? Dave, do you want to kick us off on that? Well, uh, probably two things. First of all, thanks for the conversation. It's been listening to stuff like this that has been a big thing. You know, Bucks talks a lot about it, so I'm probably being redundant. But I think investing in your education, uh, you know, for investing is a, is a huge piece. And then my dad used to always say, my dad never, he grew up a humble man. I don't want to say poor because it might put him in a different light than I want him to be put, but you know, not a rich man. We'll leave it at that. Uh, but he used to tell me, son, 
never take financial advice from somebody who makes less money than you. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't know if that's a hundred percent true all the time, but you know, Buck talks about it, you know, invest with people that, you know, like, and trust. I, as much as I've learned about these policies over the years, I don't spend all day, every day in them, but you know, I knew like, and trusted Buck who knew, like, and trusted Rod, and he put me in touch with Rod. And, and it took a couple of years um, before I actually did a policy with Rod. So, I mean, just the fact that Rod never made me feel guilty about his time, um, I, that built a lot of trust. And, and, I, and so I just tell people, like, if somebody ever pressures you, don't invest with them. Uh, Rod or Buck has never pressured me into anything. And because of that, over time, I've invested a lot with them. And, you know, you don't win 100% of the time. Look, the world doesn't always, it's not always rainbows and sunshine. Does that mean that they did something wrong? If you know, like, and trust them, you accept that, hey, doesn't always go 100% in our favor, but, you know, more times than not. So uh, that was a long answer to a short no, question. Great. But, uh, yeah. yeah. I appreciate that. Daniel, any thoughts on that? Any advice? Yeah, um, I think for me, uh, the realization is that money is a separate subject than 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 my career. You you have mm-hmm. you have to I have to spend time to study money separately. <clears throat> and the way I did it, like a lot of people, was I started with um, Robert Kiyosaki's um, Rich Dad Poor Dad book audiobook and then from there i started looking into his advisors and then uh, one of them uh, tom wheelwright and then from tom wheelwright um as he appears in different shows i found out about bucks um well formula um website and then from there i found rod and and so so i think as you continue as i continue my financial education um i, I begin to to hear and understand more and i get more confident um, specifically for the insurance piece, I think after I got married and had my own kid, all of a sudden insurance and having a death benefit makes a lot of sense. When I'm still by myself, you know, death insurance benefit or not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to worry about it. There's, there's no one, no one that I need to look out after. So I think after having a family, it started making a lot of sense and, um, and the family is very supportive of that. And then finally, I would start, um, I would put some money towards it. I think someone says, if you put money into a certain investment, you will pay more attention to it. Maybe, maybe Kiyosaki said it. So, um, and I, I do the same. I start with, with a small policy and over the years, as I get more comfortable, I add to it and then I add to it. Um, yeah, so that, that, that's my experience. Perfect. Thank you so much. Okay. Now, Buck, we hear a lot of advice from you in the show. So maybe yeah. in the handoff, I'll, I'll, uh, be to tell you I'm, I'm good and just let you kind of take it where you want to go to. No, no, I would just, I would just say, uh, the one thing that I will tell you about all these policies and all of the hundreds of people within our group that are doing this kind of stuff is I have yet have yet to have one person come back to me and say, I wish I had not done that. Not a single person, which is to say it's a lot, you know, like there is a uh, investments, uh, as Dave mentioned, you know, they, they don't always go out the way you want them to, whatever. Uh, and I'm not saying the insurance will play out exactly how you want it to play. But what I can say is that people, the people who are the most into this stuff are, are the people who've been doing it for the longest period and have seen the results. Investing in wealth building is the, it's the long game, right? It really is the long game. And I think this is kind of, I think some in in some ways a, a microcosm of that concept, because this is where everybody time when markets are down like they are now, people are having trouble. They look back and see what they've done in these policies, and they're like, "Oh, I've, that that worked out really well, right?" But again, I've never met anybody who regretted doing one of these policies. So um anyway so that's uh that's all that you got uh rod i guess uh yep. very, very nice job being the jay leno signing the jay off. leno jay leno <laughs> signing off here uh back to johnny um 
Well, thanks, guys. Thanks so much for being on. And, uh, you know, it's always it's always great to have a discussion. And it's nice when somebody else does all the heavy lifting like you did today, Rod. Good job. And, yeah, uh, yeah we'll be uh, right back. Self-storage is a necessary evil. It's where you keep your stuff and forget about it. No wonder this stuff is so profitable and recession resistant. The Wealth Formula community, well, we've benefited from that. We've made lots of money in this space with Reliant Real Estate, one of the largest self-storage companies in the country. With an average investor internal rate of return of almost 34%, with hold times just over three and a half years, these guys know what the meaning of velocity of money is. If you're an accredited investor, make sure to check out what they're up to right now at ReliantFund4.com. Again, that's ReliantFund4.com. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. And uh, just want to remind you that if you are interested in any of these products, uh, go and check out WealthFormulaBanking.com. The Wealth Accelerator, uh, The uh, that program in particular is something that I am, uh, I think is a very interesting thing to consider, especially if you're not typically a stocks investor or whatever. It's a really interesting way to do it, uh, to get that exposure where you've got upside, you don't have, you know, downside and you basically you got guardrails, right? And then you leverage up the guardrails and, and then the, uh, the upside becomes even bigger than the regular upside without the leverage. So, so I don't know. It's, it, to me, it's a really good opportunity. And then for me also, I'm uh, big into the whole concept of estate uh, and legacy. So um, that's just my two cents. That's it for me this week on Wealth Formula Podcast. This is Buck Jaffrey signing off. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time. Buck Joffrey here from Sapio with Buck Joffrey. Aging might become reversible over the next 10 to 20 years. It's already being done in lab animals, so it's just a matter of time. Our challenge? To be healthy enough for when that time comes. As a former scientist and surgeon myself, my goal is to figure out how to do that and to share it with you. I wrote a book called Living Longer for Busy People that you can download for free at sapiopodcast.com. You'll be amazed at just how a few daily adjustments can add years of a healthy life for you. Again, download it for free, sapiopodcast.com.